We know the Chicago Bears have specific needs to fill in the NFL draft at multiple positions. But more than anything else, what this roster needs across the board are high-impact playmaking difference makers. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on the show today, we look at this NFL draft from a broader perspective for the Bears and where they can find high-impact difference makers, a little bit more regardless of position, or more so looking at where at each position they can get those types of players. Obviously, the players you take earlier are going to be higher impact and bigger difference makers, better playmakers than the players that you take later on in the draft. But I think certain positions lend themselves to certain areas of this year's draft class where there's a higher density or a a sort of a better value in playmaking ability and difference making ability and high impact players for the Chicago Bears. I think that's not only just like exclusively year one high-impact players. Because, of course, you can't expect every draft pick to step in and start and play at a high level in their first season. But some of these guys, especially as you get later in the draft, it's less about like how much they do this year specifically versus how much they're going to do over the course of their rookie contract and maybe, I think, ideally a second contract then with the Chicago Bears. Like, for example, I think when you talk about difference makers, playmakers, high-impact players at wide receiver, it feels like for Chicago, round one is is the place for that. You know, we talked yesterday on the podcast a little bit about Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State and putting him on the Bears big board. We've talked before about him and, and uh, Quinton Johnston, the TCU wide receiver, as far as, you know, first round options that are around where the Bears might pick or if they certainly if they traded down. And it feels to me like once you get once you start to get much past you know, roughly the top 15 of the draft, you know, where the Bears are picking. There are still wide receivers who can be high impact, difference making type talents in this draft. But like, it really feels to me like JSN especially is kind of like, if, if you're going to go add the impact receiver, you get him. Because once you get into the second round and the third round even, like there are still very good guys and players that you might like. But in terms of like cracking the rotation in Chicago and being able to make an impact with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Chase Claypool on the roster. Like, it feels to me, well, well, there are certainly guys you can make some strong cases for, but when you get to, like, the second and third rounds, it's guys that are going to have a harder time getting on the field when you have the likes of Moore, Mooney, and Claypool, at least for this year and likely for a couple of years in the future here. And so it feels like JSN is a guy who's going to command playing time. And certainly a lot of NFL teams really like Quinton Johnston from TCU as a, you know, six-foot-four prototypical number one wide receiver build, even though there's, I think, some real questions about just, like, whether he has the number one wide receiver mentality and, like, true, like, 
skill set in terms of like attacking the ball and being aggressive and catching and creating separation and those sort of things. But like he certainly fits the physical mold in that regard. And plenty of people love Zay Flowers of Boston College or Jordan Addison from USC or, you know, there's some other receivers that are potential first round guys that people like. But for me, it feels like JSN is kind of the, the option there to make the, impact, the high impact playmaker. Whereas once you get past them, it's guys that have some question marks about being able to do that at a high level and crack and play a big role in this Bears offense as it stands right now. So it feels to me like your high impact wide receiver pick is first round or it's lower impact wide receiver pick that you might still like and develop, but it's not quite, it's not quite there just yet. And and not quite, you know, the guy that you're really fired up about being a big time difference maker for your team. I throw a plug in there for Nathaniel Dell from Houston, who might be an exception there, but he's five, five, 165 pounds. But I, I really believe that he's going to be a playmaker, at least to some degree in the NFL. But I feel similarly about cornerback as I do wide receiver. If we're looking to just like put the need aside for a minute here, where can we get a high impact playmaker anywhere on the roster? You know, with the guys like Devon Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, the Illinois and Oregon corner, Oregon cornerback, as our Oregon based listeners often correct me for saying Oregon way too often on this podcast, Oregon. I mean, both of those guys different styles of cornerbacks who we talked about on the big board podcast yesterday. And I'm not going to rehash these first round guys. We're going to get into some second and third and fourth round guys in a little bit here. But like those guys both have that, that cornerback one potential, those guys that you feel like, okay, they can shut somebody down or they can make a big interception and take over a game in that way that has that high impact. And as you start to get a little bit farther down the cornerback rankings, it's a deep cornerback class. There's a lot, there's a lot of guys to like and feel like there's depth there, but it doesn't feel like as many of those guys are like step in, and be that instant number one type cornerback. And it's not that it's not that the Bears have that as their need, but it's talk. But I'm thinking like high impact playmakers. Like you can still get a very good cornerback in the second and third round, but are they a high impact player or are they just an upgrade, which is still good and still valuable. I'm not saying don't draft a cornerback in the second or third round, but specifically I'm, I'm focusing today on like the difference makers. And an upgrade is not quite the same as a difference maker, right? I I don't know that a right tackle, well, when you have such a hole there, it can be a difference maker, but a right tackle is not going to make that game-changing play, that high-impact, like, take over the game. Right tackles just just don't really do that. So while that's a huge need for the Bears, and they should draft multiple offensive linemen, really, you know, those aren't the types of, like, big-time game-changing talents. And that's why that's kind of where I'm getting at with the cornerbacks a little bit later on, too. Like, adding a cornerback in the second or third or fourth round that could be an upgrade over Kendall Vildor would be valuable for the Chicago Bears, but not quite that same like high impact as you know Devon Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez there in the first round with that first round pick. That being said, it doesn't have to be a first round pick to be able to be a high impact player. I just don't know that there's as much of that when you start to get down there at wide receiver or cornerback compared to the guys at the top. But I don't think that's as much the case at a few other positions that the Bears should strongly consider to get this type of playmaker or just player who can have that big time impact on the game. So we'll look at specifically this. There's a specific range for defensive linemen, defensive tackles and edge rushers that I think is the spot for the Bears to get that high impact playmaker. But it's not with their first round pick and it's not where their second round and third round pick sit right now. We'll, we'll kind of sparse out, parse out this range for defensive tackles and defensive ends next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one 
Sportsbook because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free money back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So you're guaranteed to come out ahead the first time. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from Matt Eberflus as coach of the year for next year, Justin Fields as MVP candidate for next year. You can bet on where the Bears are going to finish in the NFC North. You can bet on the NFL draft. Plus, you got the NBA playoffs, uh, the hockey playoffs right around the corner, and baseball season well underway. It's all there for you at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. You can find high-impact players in this draft, difference makers, outside of the first round, outside of the top 10. And that's where I think the sweet spot is for the Chicago Bears when it comes to the defensive line. We talk, we kind of touched on this. We, we, we like danced around this, but didn't explicitly talk about it on the Big Board podcast yesterday, which again, highly recommended. Going, we went through the top nine options for the ninth overall pick. The Bears are guaranteed one of them and, and put them in an order one through nine. At the bottom of that list, spoiler alert, <laughs> were, were Lucas Van Ness from Iowa and Kalijah Kansi from Pittsburgh. They were they were a little bit lower in terms of the top nine ranking because you know, we just talk about wide receivers and cornerbacks that are, are big-time playmakers there. And just that offensive tackle becomes a, a, a significant need in that spot and that you know, you got to consider those guys in there as well. But to me, like ideally, the likes of Van Ness and Kalijah Kansi are guys that you would trade down for in a perfect world. Or same, same if you, you know, if you like Miles Murphy from Clemson, if he's your guy, or Nolan Smith from Georgia, you know, a couple of other guys that have been like loosely discussed as potential Bears edge rushers that I'm, I'm not particularly, you know, raving huge fans of, but still they're, they're going to be first round picks. But to me, like a lot of the top edge and defensive tackles in this draft feel like they are trade down from nine guys that just nine feels maybe a little bit early for those for those guys I think Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson from Texas Te- Texas Tech Will Anderson from Alabama like those guys are, are worthy of the ninth overall pick won't be there again part of the big board podcast yesterday but once you get past them presuming they're not on the board and not even available for the Bears to choose from there's this range of like well it's too early to take the next edge rushers or the next defensive tackles not not including uh, Jalen Carter in that conversation and so it feels to me like if the Bears want that high-impact defensive lineman, edge rusher, or interior, they have to trade down from nine. Or, you know, you start to look into the second round, and I, I think they run into a the sort of the inverse of that problem of, like, I don't know then that some of the best edge rushers and defensive tackles are going to make it all the way to where they pick at 53. Like, it, it feels to me like a lot of the guys that you might like, you might be keeping your fingers crossed and saying, man, I really hope, and man, I still know how to pronounce Adebaware, the defensive lineman from Northwestern, Adetomiwa, Adebaware. Very difficult, (laughs) very difficult for me, but like a lot of people love the Northwestern defensive lineman as someone who, if he could fall to the Bears at 53, you would be thrilled. But he gets more and more murmurs that he might even be able to sneak into the back end of the first round, given how impressive he has been. Or, you know, there's a guy like Keon White from Georgia Tech is one of these, like, draft Twitter 
favorites. I mean, there's and there's a lot of reason to like him. He's got all the physical tools, and you feel like he just needs a little bit of cleaning up, and he can be a high-impact edge rusher. Probably, maybe won't make it to 53. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I think right now his his average position is around like 48. So there's a chance he could fall to 53. We know that's always an inexact science of trying to predict them. Or, you know, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame is kind of around that same range. BJ Ojolari from LSU in terms of like edge rushers that you could consider for the Bears there. All of them kind of in this big board mock draft projected range earlier than the Bears second round pick. And so it feels to me like you might need to trade up. I mean, even throw like a, a Tuli Tui Pulotu from USC. A lot of tough defensive lineman names in this year's draft. Or even maybe even Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, you know, as a guy who's great bend up from an interior position and can get off and be an aggressive disruptor in the middle. Like there's a chance none of those guys make it to 53. I mean, maybe one of them does, but, you know, do you, if you want to get that high impact defensive lineman, it feels like, You'd have to move up from 53 to really make sure you get like one of the guys you really want at that spot. And, and it works out nicely that the Bears have two fourth round picks and two fifth round picks and two seventh round picks so that, you know, if you want to move up from 53 to say like 45, you've got some extra draft picks to be able to absorb that cost to go get your edge rusher and know that you have another second round pick and a very early third round pick in that process to move around a little bit to get those guys or if you want to move down from nine, certainly you can still get one there and pick up some additional draft picks later on to be able to add something there. But it just feels like that that tier of defensive linemen spans that range of like 15 to 45, maybe 15 to 50, and the Bears are at nine and 53. They're just outside of that range to get that high-impact defensive lineman. Again, maybe you keep your fingers crossed and hope, right? The Bears didn't really think that the likes of Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker we're going to last all the way to their second round picks last season. We heard Ryan Pohl say after the draft that they didn't even like do mock drafts. Like they didn't even prepare for that as a possibility because they just didn't think it was going to happen. It wasn't part of their, you know, their, their practice sessions of running through the draft. So there's always scenarios where guys are going to fall into that range, especially once you get out of the first round and there's a lot less consensus, I think among NFL teams on how they value these players and scheme fit and, skill set and what's what they can fix and coach up and what is a little bit more static and, and locked in for them as prospects. So maybe you feel like there's enough guys there between all the different names we talked about. It's like, okay, you like, maybe you feel similarly about the likes of Keon White and Isaiah Foskey and BJ Ojolari and feel like as long as one of them falls to 53, you're okay. And you're not going to be super beat up if it happens to be your least favorite of the three, because you like them all a fairly similar amount. I mean, I could see something like that being the way you approach that, but it does feel like there's a drop-off once you get past those guys. It's like, you know, Derek Hall from Auburn, Zach Harrison from Ohio State, Andre Carter from Army. Like, sure, they, I mean, they got some talent there, but I'm not not in love with them. Or, you know, on the interior, guys like Javon Dexter or Amoro Ojomo from Texas, like Jacqueline Roy from LSU, Zach Pickens from South Carolina has some upside, but he's, I mean, if we're getting into like the third, fourth round for some of these guys now, and it's like, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get the kind of difference-making ability that I do feel like some of these other guys, you know, like certainly uh, Adebowari from Northwestern or and B.J. Ojolari has some of that speed off the edge too. Like these guys could be high-impact playmakers at the edge. And it's we get to the next set of guys and it's like rotational guys who can stop the run pretty well or maybe they have one pass rush move but are not like freak athletes. And it's like, mm, they're 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 number three, number four defensive end. And the Bears already have a couple of those guys on the roster right now. So, that feels like more of a sweet spot range. I think there are other positions, though, 
that Chicago can find difference makers. Even if they're not difference makers as much in year one, given what the Bears have already on the roster, but guys that can become difference makers and feel like you can get really good value at those positions a little bit later in the draft. Maybe not we're not talking we're not talking seventh round picks that are going to be difference makers, but you know, third, fourth, fifth round picks, particularly for me, additional offensive weapons that might sit a little lower on the depth chart for now, but become bigger players soon that can have impacts on this team. We'll look at tight ends and running backs and why I think it's really important the Bears draft a tight end this year next on Locked on Bears. We did a podcast a couple of weeks ago now, or was it last week? The days blend together a little bit me, a little bit for me in draft coverage about why I don't think the Bears should draft Bijan Robinson in the first round, but I do think they can still get a high impact difference making running back later on in this draft. And I and I when while I agree that Bijan Robinson is a very good running back and the best running back in this draft and head and shoulders above the rest of the class, we so often see running backs drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounds that end up being either the best running back in their draft class or one of the best running backs in their draft class and consistently outperform the second and third round picks taken ahead of them, right? It, it, it happens every year. We ran through some examples during that podcast, but like a couple of names that we've, we've heard about throughout this draft process, like Tajay Spears from Tulane being a, a really great pass catcher and athlete out of the backfield. We mentioned Chase Brown from Illinois is a guy who was a, had like, what, 1,600 yards and 10 touchdowns this past season can absolutely be that workhorse back and with some pretty good speed and some pretty good size there too. I mean, he fumbled sometimes and and maybe, you know, wasn't as powerful as you would you would think for his size, but he could come in and feel like that's a guy who can be, you know, a longer term piece here. You have Donta Foreman and you have Khalil Herbert. They're going to be your one and two this year. I don't think any of the running backs you draft are necessarily going to steal a ton of playing time right away from either of those guys. Can rotate in, uh, certainly in passing situations, as a as a pass blocker, as a receiver, and maybe get some carries, certainly if, if one of those guys suffers an injury. But, you know, the Bears don't need to draft a running back who's going to be the lead back every down 1,000-yard guy this year. But, you know, you can get a guy like Chase Brown from, from Illinois and feel like, okay, Foreman's here on a one-year deal. Will he be back next year? Who knows? And, you know, Khalil Herbert is on a rookie contract that will run out here after a couple more seasons. The Bears did not pay David Montgomery. Will they be more willing to pay Khalil Herbert at some point? Or do they just want to keep sort of turning through cheap, inexpensive young running backs and get them while they're at their their freshest? And, you know, one of these later, you know, day three, you know, third, fourth, fifth round running backs, like a Chase Brown, like a Tajay Spears, or even like a Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State. He's pretty small, but, you know, he's got that sort of speed playmaking ability. Like those guys can get drafted this year, maybe not be a huge impact this year, but become that sort of high impact difference maker down the line for this Chicago Bears offense. I also look at tight end as being a, a pivotal position in this year's draft, not because it's a, such a big need for the Bears, but because it's such a deep draft class. There are a number of players in this draft class that I think would be very valuable for 32 NFL teams, and the Bears are no exception in that. Yes, of course, they have Cole Komet. They're reportedly actively negotiating a contract extension for Cole Komet. I would like to do a podcast at some point here, probably after the draft, about whether or not that's a good idea and how much they should pay Cole Komet and why I'm, I'm a little nervous about paying Cole Komet as much money as the numbers kind of would suggest, but that's a different subject. They've got Robert Tanyan. They signed from the Green Bay Packers, but he's on a one-year deal. 
maybe he comes back for another year after this, but it's one one step at a time with him. And so I think drafting a tight end is a, a good idea because Tanya's on a one-year deal and it's good to keep getting more young blood in that position. But And, and then also because this is such a strong draft class for tight ends. But the other aspect here with tight end in particular, we, we talked about it a lot with Cole Komet over the last three and a half years now. Tight end is a position that often takes a lot of time for a player to transition from college to the NFL. Rarely do we see a tight end come in his rookie season and dominate. We'll see a tight end come in in the rookie season and have great flashes and maybe get some decent production. But like even a lot of the best tight ends we see in the NFL, like they didn't break out with a thousand yards in their rookie season. Sometimes it's their second season. Certainly it's not always a super slow development, but Rarely do we see tight end come in and be high impact player banker year one. It takes a year or two for them to adjust to the speed of the NFL game, the strength of the NFL game, and all of the responsibilities that NFL teams often ask their tight ends to have. And so ideally then you draft the tight end this year, knowing that it's going to take him a year or two to get up to speed. And so that if Tanyan's gone the following year, or if for some reason you don't get a contract extension worked out with Cole Komet, you know, you have something working up in the ranks. Because like we said, when they signed Rob Tanyan, Luke Getze clearly last season wanted to use a lot more two tight end sets. They started the season that way with Ryan Griffin and he wasn't very good. So they got away from it and kind of had to go to three wide receiver sets with three bad wide receivers for a lot of the season. This offense wants more tight ends involved. And this draft class, even in the second round, I would be totally on board with the 50, the Bears second pick, 53rd overall. If Sam Laporta from Iowa is there, you know, absolutely Sign me up. That is a freak athlete pass catcher at the tight end position. Makes plays after the catch, vertical threat up the seam, runs really fast, makes guys miss broken tackles. I mean, like he is, sign me up. Like he's he's what the Bears do not have right now as a receiver at tight end. Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, like same conversation. You would feel pretty lucky if he's somebody that's going to make it all that far down. But if he's there, you know, we're looking at a guy who's what? Six foot six, two hundred and fifty pounds with great speed. You know that's they don't they don't make many tight ends like that that can work up the seam, be a vertical option. There, he's not a great route runner by any means, but he's just like big and fast and strong and like absolutely you'll you'll take that any day. Like maybe he's not shifty, maybe he's not refined, but put him in this offense and he can he can absolutely eat and be a, a dynamic weapon for Justin Fields. Like. These kind of guys can can really add something that the Bears don't have. Even even Darnell Washington from Georgia, who's you know six 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 seven two hundred and seventy pounds ish, more of the inline style of tight end, but like he's humongous, but can run routes. Like he's an offensive tackle who can make guys miss after the catch. Like absolutely, <laughs> sign me up for a player like that. Like these tight ends are just so exciting with so much potential. And it's like, man, if you can get one of those with your second round pick, it's not that you need them to come in and be a high impact player in year one. Cole Komet certainly wasn't as a second-round pick. Plenty of tight ends are not right away. So draft them now when it's a good class with rare skill sets at these these positions, which, by the way, goes deeper. Guys like Luke Schoenmacher from Michigan, uh, Zach Kuntz from Dominion, Payne Durham from Purdue, as you get a little bit farther down like into the day three of the draft, like any of these guys. doesn't have to be the second-round pick. Get one of these tight ends so they can either take over as a number two tight end next season if Tanya's not there, or just give you more pass-catching and other depth at tight end. You know, you can only get so many wide receivers on the field at the same time. You need tight ends in there as well. And I feel like it's a great opportunity to add a young piece for your future, even though it's not a big need for the bears. Right. And, and certainly you have to address offensive line, even though that's not a high impact position, 
or at least a playmaking position. It, it will have a high impact on the Bears, but it's not a playmaking position. You know, you have to address some of these spots, but the Bears have enough draft picks to, I don't want to say take, it's not luxuries. I mean, really, when you think about it, like best player available, but they're sitting here with, what, three, six, nine, ten draft picks, two of them in the seventh round, but ten draft picks, five in the top 103 and four in the top 64. Like, you should have the opportunity to get difference makers, playmakers, guys that are going to make this team a lot better, even if that's not directly filling a hole, but just adding players that are going to be here for a while and make plays for the Chicago Bears on either side of the ball on Sundays for a long time to come. That's that's how the Bears need to approach this draft. And as we just laid out, it doesn't have to be your first round pick. It doesn't even have to be your two second round picks, third, fourth round. You can find running backs, maybe tight ends as well, that, that can have that kind of impact. And then from there, you know, in the, the fifth and seventh rounds, you can swing for the fences at some developmental guys, but it feels like those are a little bit less high impact, a little bit less difference makers, but you're sort of hoping for something better a little bit down the line. I'd like to get to know some of these prospects a little bit more as we get closer to draft day. So we're going to start diving in a little bit more deep at some positions and some different options for the Bears in this draft over the next you know days and weeks as we get closer to draft day. So make sure then that you're subscribed to Locked on Bears wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube, because that's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, check out our Locked on NFL scouting podcast here in the Locked on Podcast Network. It's the Draft Dudes, Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs, looking at all of the latest moves and team decisions across the NFL from a team-building perspective. What's best for the future of teams and how you should approach it from a draft free agency salary cap compensation standpoint. So they're doing a great job and they have great chemistry. It's a lot of fun. Go check out Locked On NFL Scouting for your second listen today. Come on back tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Bears. And of course, you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.